Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. To the remnant, God bless you and strengthen you and open the eyes of your heart and give you spiritual understanding that you may know him and his word better. And um, just thanks so much for listening, and especially for sharing our podcasts. We have noticed a little uptick in uh, the amount of uh, hits on our website and the podcasts shared. So we appreciate you guys, and uh, just keep on sharing them, because as you know, some uh, social media giants really don't like what we do. So um, we appreciate your prayers and your uh, support in sharing our podcast. So a very important topic today, but man, talk about darkness. We are going to have to pray and have our, our spiritual guards up for today's uh, podcast and uh, a very special guest reporting on a, a very major event uh, that we're going to get to in just a minute. Let's open in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us your truth. Thank you so much, Lord, that we can go to your word and discern and, and try to uh, understand what's going on in our world and the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places that are trying to come against what you, Jesus, would want us to do. We praise you, Lord, that we are not unaware of the enemy's schemes and his agenda. And Father, we pray, Lord, that you would help us discern those who are minions, servants of the devil, working for him, promoting darkness, and trying to advance wickedness. We pray in Jesus' name that you would protect those like our guests today and like us in our ministry and other ministries that are on the front lines fighting these battles. We know that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, and we ask, Lord, that you would continue to strengthen us and uh, just carry us, Lord. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that uh, you, you are in us, you are with us, we are sealed and we are promised an inheritance, an adoption into the family of God. We thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you for the hope that we have. And we lift up this hour to you, and we pray that um, with the content that we are going to discuss, that people would not be overwhelmed, but they would be discerning, and they would be informed, and maybe challenged to get deeper into your word and the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple questions before we get into this topic today, has paganism gone mainstream? <laughs> Have you heard about the covenant of the goddess? How about polypantheism? How about the church of all worlds? Ego-magical activism? The Thelemic order? Exploring past lives? And more. To get today's guest, Carl Teichrup just returned from the 26th annual Pantheacon in San Jose, California. It's the world's largest conference gathering of Wiccans, witches, Druids, and other practitioners of the New Age and neo-pagan community in the world. And he's going to give us a report today. If you uh, aren't familiar with Carl, man, he's a Canadian-based author and researcher on paganism the occult and globalization. He goes to major uh, pagan festivals and New Age events, so we don't have to. And he gives an insider's report on what they really believe, what their end goals are, and the spirituality behind what they do and what they're planning for the world. His latest book is phenomenal. It's huge with a capital U. It's called Game of Gods. Carl Teicher, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth, brother. Hey, thank you so much for having me on the show this morning. It's a pleasure to be with you, David. All right. Well, let's um, get to Pantheacon. Uh, first question I have, after going through what you sent me, uh, some of the information on what you just experienced, all the, the workshops and the conferences that you went to, How and it's a dark 
and and I would say demonic uh, place and gathering. How do you, first of all, prepare spiritually for going to this kind of event? And what do you do to uh, just prevent uh, that from, from taking that home with you back to Canada? Well, first of all, you know your position in Christ. Yes. You know your position in Christ. You know where you stand. You know why you're going. Uh, you're not going to, to flirt with it. You're not going to, to uh, be titillated by it. You're going with a, a very, uh, very clear purpose, a very clear meaning uh, to what you're doing. That's important. You pray. My, my wife prays. My family prays. Uh, but it's, it is what we do. And, and probably the most important part of it is having that understanding that, and, and this is a really important thing for anybody and everybody to recognize, is that we bow to our Lord Jesus in love. We bow to him now. We are bended on our knees now, but every knee will bow. Every knee. Amen. That includes the people who in, in, engage in the pagan worldview. That includes even the spirits behind the people who engage in the pagan worldview. So why are we afraid? Why are we afraid? Now, that doesn't mean you go in flippantly. Not at all. You go in with an understanding. You go in with, with uh, the approach that I'm there to do work. I'm there to, I'm there to, to understand their worldview, to try to understand their perspective. Uh, where possible, engage in good conversations. And I've had some really interesting conversations. Mm. And uh, the thing that kind of strikes, strikes me in terms of prayer is that I probably pray more when I'm there in terms of just prayers of thankfulness, because it, you, the, the contrast is so stark. Oh my goodness! Uh, you can't help but go, "Thank you, God. Yeah. Thank you." I, I'm putting my faith and trust in a God that is outside of nature, outside of time, space, and matter, outside of of the human condition, and uh, um, that that's. That's tremendous. And what, and what a, other hope do we have? Yeah, exactly. What an interesting contrast, and as you said, a stark contrast, Carl, because you are there in the midst of all this darkness with people following after so many different uh, gods and, and, and belief systems and things that just are temporary or, or they're just not— they're, they're not going to give them anything long-term other than maybe a temporary way of doing a religion or a work— but you have the truth, and so that must be an amazing thing. And when you were sharing that, it reminded me that sometimes uh, those of us who are strong enough and are called by God have to go into these places to really share the truth of the gospel. Now, were you able to have a few conversations with people about the one true God? Not at this one. This one was ended up being primarily research-oriented. Uh, I was at one last year where uh, a gentleman came up to me. He struck up a conversation. Um, it was, it, you need to understand sometimes at these events, there is, there is a sexual component that comes into play sometimes. So he hit on me, uh, and I've been in that situation a few times at these kinds of events. So I diffused it, uh, but you, you never diffuse it in such a way that you drive the person from you. What you do is after that, use that as a, a chance to say, Hey, let's sit down and have a cup of coffee and uh, let's have a talk. And, and so, um, I was able to do that, and over the space of about two hours, we had a really good conversation uh, comparing and contrasting the Judeo-Christian worldview, which says, first of all, that God is other, he is distinct, he is separate, he is not the same as nature, versus the pagan worldview, which says God, man, and nature are all essentially one. So that was, you know, that was an, uh, an episode I had last year. This year I had a, a similar situation where, um, yeah, I got hit on by uh, a trans witch, and it, it, it was it was degrading to to the point where I, I just had to walk away. Mm. But I mean, that those are the kinds of things that you will encounter. Here's yeah. the thing, though, David. Everything that I I saw and witnessed there, things that that I experienced are really nothing more than a reflection of the worldview that is now saturated into our culture and our society. It's amplified. Exactly. It, but it's just the worldview that's already around us. So getting back to your question, your initial question, how do you and how do your listeners deal with the day-to-day -day reality that the world that they're walking in right now is the same as what I just experienced, just at a more subdued level? Mm-hmm.
Yeah, that's uh, that's very true and very insightful because we are in it. We are in this world. Praise God, we are not of this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. Um, Carl, I'm looking at the the cover of this um, pantheon pantheacon. Um, it's just you got a you got a sun god on there. You got you know birds and and all these different things. Yeah, the phoenix. Yeah, the phoenix. It, it's just amazing. And you look at some of these. I'll, when we ask you about some of these uh, actual events and some of these workshops, but let's just start with, you know, you go there, uh, you don't want to blow your cover. <laughs> right. um, yeah, let's talk about the opening ritual. You said you, you had a conversation with two witches after this opening ritual. Can you just uh, tell, bring us into this slowly for those of us who are trying to imagine what that would be like? <laughs> well, well, I, I sat through the opening ritual because uh, it always sets a tone for what the rest of the event will be like. And, and people need to understand that, first of all, Pantheacon or, uh, is, is an older event. I mean, it's been around for 26 years. Uh, historically, it, it gathers between 2,500 to 2,800 witches uh, and pagans of various stripes. And the the pagan community itself just like any other community right now is is finding itself under intense with, with intense uh conflict and tension over what we would consider to be politically correct themes and topics ah, interesting and so at this event, and this is the last year, by the way, for Pantheacon, uh, next year it's restructured, it's going to be called something else, but it's still going to go on just under a new name. Mm-hmm. Um, and what came out at the opening ritual was a special emphasis on the non-binary deities and non-binary ah, spir- spiritual entities. And so they were invoked, there was a special ceremony to invoke them, and... Because of some of that non-binary talk, I ended up afterwards having a good conversation with with two witches, two well-known, well-established witches, one from the Bay Area, and the other one is is known internationally. And and I was like, all right, like, because I knew I knew going in that there was already tension in this community hmm. because this is part of what I do is to study this community. And so I knew there was tension, and so I'm like, all right. Can you guys give me just a little bit of, of, a, of a rundown? This is my first time at this particular event. I've been to others, but this is my first one here. All right, what's, what is this tension that I'm sensing, especially over the non-binary aspect? And, and here's the deal. Over the last few years, there has been a growing amount of tension as subcultures within the pagan movement, subcultures and sub-subcultures uh, are looking to be recognized, to have their identity known, to be, to be considered as equals. And so one of those sub-subcultures is, is the transsexual, uh, you could call it the trans-witch aspect, which brings in your non-binary side. The other are, are people of color. Uh, and so they had a people, uh, pardon me, a pagans of color caucus at this event. Oh my goodness. And, and you couldn't go in unless you self-identified as a pagan of color, which was really inclusive. Um, and, and so I had this conversation <laughs> about, all right, what's, what's with this tension? And they're like, well, you know, last year and the year before, uh, the, the trans community didn't feel like they were being honored. So now this year, that's why they're, they're doing cleanup now trying to trying to to demonstrate that they are inclusive and so keep in mind david this is important for people to recognize keep in mind that this is being done at the double tree hilton hotel in san jose <laughs> that means that there are regular hotel patrons mm-hmm. families uh businessmen people who are just coming in and spending those nights and then having to rub shoulders with this event and, and to demonstrate their inclusivity towards the trans non-binary side, the hotel restrooms on the main floor, all the men and women restrooms were all converted to non-gender or gender-neutral bathrooms. And I thought to myself, wow. well, you know, that's really inclusive for, for this event, but all of the public patrons who are coming and having to share the same facility what are they thinking? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I noticed a couple, uh, one workshop, um, it, breaking the gender binary. 
and another one, there's a non-binary ritual. So yes, so, so they're trying to um, kind of make good for in the past years when they've ignored uh, transgender pagans and witches. Yes, that that that's definitely the the, the feeling. <laughs> uh, there's another side to this, uh, a, a very spiritual side as well. I went to a workshop, um, and it was later on. And this is this was a four day event, by the way. I went to a workshop entitled "Getting Straight with Spirit." which was a, a look at non-binary spiritual interaction. Hey, Carl, we lost you. You're cutting out a little bit. I'm not sure uh, what's wrong with the connection, but I think we're going to take an early break and try to reconnect with you and make, see if we can clear up uh, this connection uh, between the U.S. and Canada. So we'll, we'll be back sure. with Carl Teichrib. His book, by the way, Game of Gods, The Temple of Man in the Age of Enchantment, it's a really important read on information on some of these things that uh, Carl is talking about from his experience at uh, Pantheacon, the 26th um, event here that they're holding, and it was out in California. So we're going to talk more with Carl Teichrib when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. We have on the line, all the way from Canada, Carl Teichrib. He's an author. His latest book, Game of Gods, and he just got back from PantheaCon in Southern California, actually Northern California. And if you're not familiar with this, it's a massive festival and gathering of Wiccans, witches, and other practitioner, practitioners of the New Age. Um, Carl, you were just talking about one of the sessions you attended called Getting Straight with spirit. It's a look at apparently non-binary spiritual interactions and could you explain what how this makes sense to anybody? <laughs> no problem. <laughs> uh, yes, you know, in fact I'll read you a little bit out of the uh, uh, the write-up that came with it. A non-binary look at source itself exploring spirit in a state of wholeness before conceptualization of binary perspectives. Being non-binary, now this is the, the person giving the workshop talking, being non-binary, I've explored gender with gods, spirits, fays, shining ones, asking why they need gender. Now, what's interesting, David, is, is in this discussion, it was recognized, and, and the presenter made it very clear, that the, the, the direction of transgenderism and the direction of the of this non-binary gender movement really has an evolutionary spiritual evolutionary perspective and that is that eventually as the as the the binary walls are broken down between genders it is believed that the next phase will be to break it down between beings between mm. entities mm. so now we no longer just have binaries male and female within the species of the human family we break this down so we have a non-binary androgynous human experience where we're neither male nor female we are in a sense asexual even pansexual and then we take that and move it evolutionary from an evolutionary point of view we move it to merge in a non-binary status with spiritual beings themselves and we and the spirit beings become one wow wow that's that's some insight that uh, i think a lot of listeners had no idea what, what's what's behind that um, there's yep. there's also this push. Um, you've got to please so many different people and people groups and I, I guess identities. But one of the big moves in America today is radical feminism, and they are some of them believe uh, when you talk about one of the events you're you're going to or you, you were just uh, at um, a lot of goddess worship. Um, there's this thing I pulled up from page six of the program guide that you sent me, which is massive. It's called a covenant, go, covenant of the Goddess, and it says, I would just like for you, your thoughts on this and, and what you perceived about this move about uh, goddess worship, feminism at, at this festival, at, at uh, um, the event you were just at. It says, our vision is, the, the covenant of the Goddess envisions a world where all beings, all living beings, are honored and cherished as manifestations of the sacred. Our mission, we, the covenant of the Goddess, 
through advocacy, education, interfaith action, and resource sharing, empower witches and Wiccans to protect, strengthen, and enrich our religion, society, and the earth. found that to be very fascinating on page six of the program guide there. Yes, yes. And, and you need to keep in mind that, that witchcraft uh, and paganism is, by its, by its nature, a goddess-centered religious movement. Mm-hmm. It's a religion, first of all, people need to understand that at its core, uh, and this is, this is their own description, okay? You have to understand this comes from their own community. Paganism is a religion of nature. That's key. Mm. Paganism is a religion of nature. It is the veneration, the adoration of nature, and nature being spiritually personified through gods and go- and primarily through goddesses. Mm. And so the goddess, whether it is Diana or uh, in a number of other manifestations, the goddess is a primary spiritual uh, component of neo-paganism, especially Wiccanism, witchcraft, uh, but in all in all the different manifestations of the neo-pagan movement, there is almost always an, a strong emphasis on the goddess. And so, so many of the workshops, David, that you see in, in the program guide I sent you, so many of them have an emphasis on worshiping the goddess in her various states and forms, mm. because for them, the goddess has that that very special meaning. She is the divine representation of nature in its feminine form. I want to come back to um, polypantheism, but because you're talking about this and the worship of nature and goddesses and the empowerment of witches and all this, um, one of the the, well, the third um, workshop you have on the list that you sent me that you attended was called Circle for Planet Earth. And as we know, there's uh, radical environmentalism. It's, it's on steroids today now with the climate change movement putting the earth and nature above all else, including you know human life. So what was that circle for planet Earth all about? It was led by Selena Fox, who's a, a, a world-renowned witch. She's from your state. She's from Wisconsin. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. The Circle, the Circle Sanctuary, the Circle Sanctuary it's a pagan retreat site, is located just west of Madison, I think like an hour or something. Maybe not even an hour. Wow. It's not that far out of, of, of Madison. Uh, and Selena Fox, she's, she's an amazingly energetic lady, uh, and, and she was so excited to talk about how this event, this workshop, and the other workshops uh, focusing on eco-activism and eco-magic, how these events at PantheaCon are preparatory events for Earth Day's 50th celebration, which is taking place this year. And Selena Fox was at the very first Earth Day in 1970, which back then was known as the environmental teach-in. And she at that time was leading uh, an activist activity at a college. And so there was a lot of, of talking about what that was like. Uh, there was a, 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 they, opened, they opened up basically with a version of a ceremony that was done at the Parliament of World Religions, which she also attends and I attend. So that was interesting because uh, she was making that, that connection into the interfaith world. Um, the Circle for Planet Earth, there were songs, there was chants, there was readings that were done for Mother Earth, there were songs and offerings to the Earth. And all of this, again, was couched in the fact that we are moving towards the Earth Day's 50th anniversary, and this was an activist event to help prepare their minds and prepare their attitudes towards uh, involvement in Earth Day 50. Wow. I'm on their uh, Facebook page. I just uh, looked up online, uh, Selena Fox and uh, Eco Rights, um, Circles for Planet Earth. It shows uh, a bunch of them, uh, witches, uh, mostly women, and her, of course, uh, standing around this big earth. It's, it's a globe. It's, it's a huge globe. And they're standing around it, putting their hands up, both hands out. I don't know if they're, they're casting a spell or trying to get uh, earth vibes or whatever, but I'm sure it's one of their rituals. Just uh, very interesting stuff. And to us, you know, we might look down at that, Carl, and say, oh, my, that's just, what a waste of time. And, but we, we kind of have to remember our heart for these people who are so lost. And well, go ahead. Yes, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the things for me that's important in going to these events, and I've been to a lot 
Uh, and if you read my book, Game of Gods, you'll you'll see that I've attended everything from United Nations events to interfaith gatherings to transhumanist conferences. One of the things that when you attend these events is it, it gives you a perspective and it reminds you that these are people. And this is important for us as Christians because we have a tendency to to divorce that fact, and we we sometimes can we we sometimes can 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 show uh, some some pretty uh, pretty hostile attitudes towards them. And I understand why because we are, we are in a worldview. There's a worldview conflict going on. I get that, but we also have to remind ourselves these are people. These are people who have souls. They're ultimately made in the image of God, and we have to keep that perspective there. And so for myself going, there's a sense of empathy that comes through because you're with them. You're, you see them. You, you hear them. You hear their aspirations, their goals, their desires. Um, and, and you go, okay, they're people. They're my neighbors. For some, for some people, listen, they might even be your family. And that's important for us to keep in mind, uh, that these are people, and uh, it's an important perspective. Yeah, I just found her over on Twitter, too, and uh, we kind of go, wow, this this is, uh, you know, Selena Fox, uh, this witch from Wisconsin, right? It, it, I, on a, the Twitter page, it says, yeah. nature priestess, environmentalist, pagan ritual artist, author, um, and it goes on, Green Cemetery director, but 28.5 thousand followers, 28.5 thousand. I'm sure there's, there's many, many more like her that these people are, are following. But um, Carl, we're, uh, yeah. we, we want to make sure it's, it's um, um, about halfway through the podcast, and we've, we've got to get to some of these other workshops and, and events uh, that you attended there. One of them was called Polypantheon. Polypantheism evolving with the gods, evolving with the gods. Uh, share us a little bit right. about that. Yeah, you know, that, that was interesting. It was done by a, a particular coven. Uh, it was called the Temple of Growth Advantage. Uh, interesting from this. Uh, Advantage, pardon me, Temple of Growth Advantage. Um, and, and it's a kind of a, an interfaith Wiccan witchcraft coven uh, that, that uh, brings in all kinds of different flavors of paganism, but definitely meant to, to bring about personal empowerment, human potential, that type of thing. What was interesting was um, the, the person leading it came out of a, uh, out of a Christian background. Here, here's something that is important for people to understand. A lot of these people do come out of a Christian background. In fact, so much so that this person had gone to Bible college. This person was studying to be a pastor. He was specifically interested in, um, he was specifically interested in, in issues of Christian apologetics. And then he had a paranormal or a psychic experience and he went to his pastors, he went to his, his Christian leaders, and he explained what had happened. Um, and the sad part was, they didn't give him answers. They did, they did something that really, this is far too common. Oh, no. they, pushed him, they pushed him away and said, just have faith, you don't need to worry about these things, and, and wouldn't give him answers. Wow. And so he, he went looking for answers because he's not satisfied, and I understand why. We are supposed to be able to give answers, even if, it's, even if the answer is, you know, I don't know. Let me do some homework and get back to you, but we need to talk about this. Instead, he was pushed away. And so he went looking for answers, and the only place that gave him answers was the pagan Wiccan community. And so he stepped away from his Christian faith. And he joined a coven, and he now leads a, a coven, and that was uh, he was uh, uh, the leader of this workshop on polypantheism. Uh, we can now evolve with the gods and goddesses, and, and evolve in the sense that our human potential is expanded, because we are now working directly with these with these deities, and the people who were talking were, were uh, who were giving us some of their experiences. We're talking how they were initiated into Aphrodite or initiated into Ares and how these deities now help them through their personal problems and help them achieve their human potential. 
So that's the kind of stuff you experience and that you run into, David, when you go to events like this. This wasn't the only time I ran into somebody who came out of a, of a Christian worldview. I went to a workshop on spirit marriage, and that is exactly what it's described about. It's about cultivating a bonded marital relationships with spirits, mm. and it's a real deal. And the person leading it came out of a Pentecostal church. Wow. Wow. Yeah. This is such a good reminder for us and our listeners and myself included how important it is to get into the Word of God and be able to have an answer for someone. And if you go to your pastor who can't answer a question about prophecy or about theology or something, don't stop there. There are answers out there. So, Carl, how, how would you—let's pause here. How would you encourage people who maybe had that experience where they— they had a question about witchcraft or about uh, why is uh, reading Harry Potter uh, not a good thing or what, what's wrong? Can the occult really uh, affect me as a Christian? And the pastor maybe didn't have a lot of answers for them. Please encourage listeners that have been through that. Oh, my, yes. You know, in fact, you, you, need, you need then to, to, to take a look, okay, what other resources are out there? Uh, and, and spend some time and being discerning in those resources, because there's stuff out there that's good and some stuff that's kind of questionable. Mm-hmm. But take the, the time now to see, are there Christian speakers? Are there Christian authors? Are there Christian voices, maybe locally or nationally, who who deal on some of these subjects, who do talk about some of these subjects. And, and that's important. It's really important. In fact, that's, that's, in a sense, the role that we've taken, myself, yourself, and others, is to, to help guide our Christian brothers in, in, in Christ, sisters in Christ, to move towards a resource that will help be helpful. The worst thing that we can do is say, you don't need to know about that, and, and, and drop it. Because they will go looking. They will go looking. And now we have to be able to say, no, you know, I don't have the answer, but I, I, I've heard of, of some guy who was on David's show. Yeah. He's got a book that talks on, on paganism. He's got a book that talks on, you know, these kinds of subjects. Let's, let's look to see what other resources are out there. Yes, and that is, I'm so glad you brought that up because we need to be able to share with these people information that they might not get elsewhere. And so that's why, uh, you know, this is a very real um, I, well, it's just a very real spirituality. Like you said, it is a religion. That paganism is growing. Um, we're gonna. I want to ask you the question in a minute. Has do you think paganism has gone mainstream? And I I think the answer is yes. But before I do that, I just want to remind people that uh, there are people all around you that are involved in some of this. They might just not be open about it. And Christians need to be able to be discerning and have answers about these things because we can so easily fall for something that that sounds good but isn't exactly biblical. Because if you're pursuing something like nature, worshiping nature, climate change. I mean, a lot of people have good intentions when they're trying to you know, clean up the planet, but they're taking it a little step further about saving the planet. But uh, Carl Teichrib, Game of Gods is your book, and I know you mentioned one of the chapters um, that really talks about some of this that you've experienced at PantheaCon. Can you give us a couple bullet points on that before we continue? Well, sure. Uh, chapter 7 in the book is is probably the best uh, chapter to go to to try to understand the the religious side of paganism. The entire book, uh, Game of Gods is 550 pages. By the time you get the index done, it's 570. It's a big book, and it goes into everything from global governance, one world, uh, the interfaithism, transhumanism, uh, the, the cultural side of this, which includes events like Burning Man, which I've been to. Um, but Chapter 7 specifically goes into the area of paganism, and what's important about that chapter is it, is it dump, jumps into uh, how we see examples of these ancient gods and goddesses all around us. And we see them on the top of our state capitol buildings. We see them on the top of, of major structures. If you want to go downtown Chicago to the trade building, you've got a goddess who stands on top of, of, the, of the commerce building. Uh, they're all around us. And, and, and it's interesting how in a land, a nation full of, of Christian churches with crosses and with, with symbols of, of Christianity, we at the same time, it's some of our, our most important buildings in terms of politics and in terms of, of, of culture, 
we we decorate them with with mottos going back to that ancient pagan worldview. Mm. And so the chapter starts off with that, but then I break down how this really comes out into the into the uh, environmental movement, where that started, Earth Day, how environmental teaching, uh, the, the, the idea of, at that point in the late 1960s, early 1970s, of looking for a new myth, or a new framing story that we can begin to use to reshape human value, because at that point we were already throwing Christianity under the bus, we already were rejecting the Christian worldview. Well, secularism itself only has a limited shelf life, it's an in-between stage between two dominant religions, and so secularism at that point, the question was, is God dead? That was like, what, 1966 Time Magazine? Right. Well, by, by 1970, the question had already been answered, and uh, it's now a goddess. And so the, the chapter breaks down that history within the environmental movement, putting it back in its context of ancient paganism, and then projecting it forward to events like Paganicon, which I've attended a couple of times, uh, and, and the, the neo-pagan movement today. Here's the important here's the important thing that people need to realize. Okay. This is not a fringe not this is not a fringe movement. Uh when I attended the workshop asking the question is paganism mainstream? Because that's one of the workshops at mm-hmm. Pantheacon. Um they suggested that figures at this point, the numbers at this point point to approximately three million self identified pagans in the United States. But the number is really much, much higher when you consider it purely as a worldview and not necessarily as a religious movement. Mm -hmm. That means that for the most part, a lot of people, including a lot of Christians, whether they realize it or not, have a pagan worldview when they make the assumption that all things are one, that God, man, and nature are essentially all the same. That is the core. That is the core of the pagan heartbeat. And you mentioned, yeah, th- three million. There's, I'm sure there's more than that. But if you think about it, how many witches or, or pagans were at uh, Pantheacon? Uh, probably around 2,000. It was a little bit lower number this year, but probably in that 2,000 range. Okay, just one major event. One event, 2,000. We just went to uh, online and checked out uh, Sylvia Fox, and she's got 28.5 thousand followers on Twitter alone. And there were 2,000 of these, you know, pagans at, at this festival, and uh, we, we can't look down. And one of the things, actually, in how paganism has gone mainstream, you uh, put in parentheses on the notes you sent me, they're trying to infiltrate, like, uh, chaplaincy in hospitals, prisons. They're, they're trying to uh, in, get to people that way, and we're just allowing them. Um, we, well, it, go ahead. Yeah, it, it's not that they're trying. They are. Yes, and that, that came out, and yeah. that came out at, at at this workshop. They are, they are. In fact, there has been the requests or have been made by prison inmates, by hospital, uh, by hospital staff as well, saying uh, we need we need a pagan chaplain already because we have so many who are pagans in our ward. Hmm. Wow. So the, yeah, there's a need out there. It's growing, and they're they're meeting that need. So uh, right. we, we have to meet the need of, uh, you know, sharing the gospel and trying to make disciples. But we got to take a break. We've got Carl Tykrib with us today, a Canadian-based author. Game of Gods is his recent book, and we were talking about his experience last week at the major pagan festival co- called Pantheacon. More with Carl when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Carl Tykrib is our guest. Game of Gods is the book, and he just got back from Pantheacon in San Jose, California, and uh, three million U.S. pagans and growing. Carl, you mentioned that it's not just the West Coast, and California. It's not just Oregon and Washington. It's not just the East Coast, you know, Salem, Massachusetts, and all that. But you talked about the growing uh, influence of paganism and uh, these types of events in the Midwest. Share a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. You know, I'm, I'm glad we could have some of this time in between during the break. It's too bad sometimes your listeners can't hear what what the hosts and the guests talk about during the breaks. But yeah, you know, this is it's a good point. 
um, we typically, especially people in the U.S. Mid Midwest, will look at uh, the West Coast and see a lot of this kind of stuff and go, well, you know, that's what I'm expecting in California mm -hmm. and Oregon and Washington State. And they'll look on the East Coast and say, yeah, you know, this kind of stuff, I can see ideas of this kind of percolating along the East Coast. Hold on. The U.S. Midwest, when it comes to the, uh, a concentration of the, pagan, of the pagan community, it's the Midwest. That's the heartbeat of it. Uh, so much so that the Minneapolis-St. Paul region is known as Paganistan. Wow. It's their own, it's their own words. It's their own, their own uh, description of the Twin Cities because the pagan community, there's more covens in the Twin Cities area uh, than in any other, any other part of the United States. And so they have affectionately call the Twin Cities region Paganistan. Wow. The, mid, the Midwest itself, and, and I, I document this in my book on page 227, uh, the Midwest itself, uh, by January 2017, it was reported uh, approximately 848 known covens uh, in, the, in the U.S. Midwest. In the Midwest. More? That's right. Yep. 848. Yep. That's right. That was that was as of January 2017. The stats for 2017. Oh my goodness! It's three years ago. I'm a man, and it is one of the fastest growing movements. Uh, quote religions. Um, your book. You said uh, there's a quote here that I just want to share with people to kind of break things down, and you can comment on it. It says, "Humanity has three great desires: to be as God, to be masters of meaning and destiny, to build heaven on earth." And you say the book, Game of Gods, the book is that story. Those three great desires. Just elaborate on that a little bit before we get back to some of the workshops, Carl. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, it basically it pulled out of Genesis chapter 3, where we, where we declare that we will be as God. That's, that is the lie, that is the deception, that we will be as God. Uh, and, and because of that, you have two other things that fall into place immediately. That A, we are the masters of our own meaning and our own destiny. We're going to move forward. We're going to build now our own Eden, and we're going to do it without God. And that becomes more or less the story of the Tower of Babel. We see that in, in play. And then the concept of building heaven on earth, that what we're going to do is, is we can create our own paradise. We create our own, our, our own sense of what the world should be like uh, without, without recourse to what, what God wants. And, and so the book breaks that down including things like interfaithism, like global governance, which ultimately are about building heaven on earth, saying that we can do this collectively. We do this together. And, and that's a theme that you find in a pretty well every single movement uh, as, as the world is moving towards a different reality, a different worldview, mm. whether that is global governance. Uh, I, I've, I, I document that in the book, how the language they use is the idea of we're building heaven on earth. The interfaith movement uses the same kind of language that we're building heaven on earth. When I was at the 2018 Parliament of the World Religions, it was described that we were involved in the salvation of the earth. And as we save wow. the earth, literally the redemption of the earth, as we redeem, as we save the earth, wow. we now, now we partake in our own salvation. So this is, this is the language that, that really emerges out of Genesis chapter 3 when we declare that we will be as God. Mm. And you know, there's some Christian—I don't want to come to nominations—there's uh, a sect or there's a movement that wants to kind of build, build your kingdom here is the, the idea, building heaven on earth, and, and that's right. really clean up the planet before Jesus returns. That's really a deception. It's not quite biblical, Carl. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Oh, absolutely. Yes, I mean, this isn't just simply, uh, 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 you know, some you know, a, a pagan construct by the pagan community. We have this kind of language ourselves. What it, what it does is it, is it focuses on what we do. It's our works. Yes. And, and it really, the question for all of us, including myself, has to be this. Do I trust God to save me? Mm. Or do I have to find some other, some other, um, some other method, some other action point? Wow. Is it Christ alone, or is it Christ plus, plus, plus? And the plus is never end. Wow. Um, you attended um, some, you know, 18 
conference, not conferences, workshops at uh, Pantheon. I think we got through like four or five of them, and we've got five <laughs> minutes left, Carl. Um, but I wanted to ask you about a couple of these things that they had, a couple of these sessions. Uh, one, Divination with the Dead, and another is called Exploring Past Lives. Uh, Divination with the Dead, discover ways to partner with your ancestors to gain clear insight, wisdom, guidance, develop and deepen your connection to the dead. And then it gives uh, ways you can do that as far as exploring past lives. It says, uh, this is page 27, we have been here multiple times. There's a lie right out the gate. We have been here multiple times because our souls are immortal. Talk to us about that. Right. Uh, I didn't extend that one or the one on divination with the dead, but but the thing that, that you still see, and it still comes through from beginning to end, is and you saw this in the beginning ritual, and you saw it at the ending ritual, was the veneration of the dead. The recognition that we are uh, now calling in the ancestors of, of our past, we are calling in the spiritual ancestors, the familiar, the family ancestors, but we are, we are making a direct connection to the dead. And, and that, comes, that came through the opening ritual, that came through other rituals and other workshops I attended, that, that we are connected into past lives, we are connected back into uh, the, the history of our ancestors, their spiritual energy, that still continues on. And so that is continually recognized and reinforced at events like this. And yes, Pantheon had a workshop on exploring your past lives, and then another one on uh, connecting to the mm-hmm. dead, having divination with the dead, and developing this connection, this mediumship, this spiritual communication. Keep in mind, though, that so many of the workshops, so many of them, I can't think of probably any that I didn't attend that didn't have this. Almost all of them that I can think of have some kind of, of discussion or talking point about connecting with spirits, mm-hmm. whether it's the spirits of the dead, or whether it's a go- particular god or goddess, or whether it's a particular type of fairy or a shining one, or whatever the spirit being might be. They are involved in interacting with the spirit world. And, and you're sitting there, and, and they're talking about even possession. And, and there's, there are terms within the pagan community, like trans-possession, uh, drawing down the moon, which is a type of possession ritual. Uh, I went to a workshop on spirit marriage, which is literally cultivating a, a relationship with the spirit at a possession level, that this wow. is a form of possession. That's the language they use. This is about connecting with the other side. Yes, and the spirit world is very real. Read the Gospels in the New Testament, and uh, you know our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Uh, but I, I don't want to get us in trouble right before I let you go, Carl, but I'm going to. Um, I, I looked ahead at this, and we're going to have you back uh, soon to, to continue this conversation about some of these uh, workshops. and some. Like, I want to talk about the Church of All Worlds and other things. But on Sunday morning, there was a yoga party. And I'm thinking, hey, talk about spirits, kundalini and, and uh, you know, Hindus. And I want you to talk to, there's some Christians that still, I mean, there's some churches that hold yoga at the church. And I just want you to clarify for us, why is that something we should guard against and be concerned about? Well, number one, yoga is a Hindu practice. Uh, there is no yoga without Hinduism, and there is no Hinduism without yoga. If you understand Hinduism, you understand the importance of yoga. Um, I, I talk a little bit about it in my book. Uh, let, let me put it this way. I was, at a, I was at a Hindu temple in Utah back in 2015, and I spent some time talking with the guru at the temple. And he made it very clear. He said that the West is being evangelized, and I'm paraphrasing, but I do document it in the book. The West is being evangelized by by Hinduism. Whether you recognize it or not, whether you join an ashram or not, you you are adopting the spiritual worldview, and you're doing it through two primary ways. We're evangelizing the West through yoga and the Holy Festival of Colors, which includes things like your color runs. And, and and it's no surprise that yo- they have a yoga party. In fact, there's a lot of talk about yoga, and a lot of the workshops began with people grounding themselves um, and then doing a, a meditative Eastern breathing practices mm-hmm. to ground their energies. This is this is totally understood. What I, what I appreciate about the Hindu and the pagan community is that they don't hide what this is. It's only us in the Christian world yes. that we try to justify it. Yes. Thank you. 
Thank you. Very important. I think we've got to you know, be much more discerning when it comes to these things. Exercise, stretching, relaxation, that's all good. Take care of your temple while you're here. But be careful what you allow into your heart and mind via some of these practices, and they are practices. Um, Carl Teichrib, Game of Gods is the book. We're going to get an an extended uh, update from uh, Carl when we get him back again. We appreciate you spending time with us, and uh, God bless you, Carl. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a great day. You too. Man, it went by so fast. Okay, um, we've got a whole lot more to to share with you the rest of the week. Some uh, good guests coming up. We'll talk about that when we come back. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Oh my goodness, you've got to go to uh, Carl's Facebook page. Uh, He's got a personal one, also a a page called Forcing Change. Uh, You can look him up on Facebook. In fact, we'll put the link in the podcast notes today. Uh, so if you're listening by podcast only, uh, standupforthetruth.com slash podcast, we will put that link to Carl's Facebook page. You can connect with him that way. Um, just an amazing book, an amazing—to me, I learn so much every time I have him on because it, it, the pagan world is uh, not as small or as uh, much of a niche as we think it is. And just the fact that they have one of those workshops um, is paganism— going mainstream. Well, it is, and it has, and they're trying to influence. Just like we as Christians, we want to influence. That's our goal. Share the gospel, uh, Christian influence in our culture while we're here, uh, paganism. They want to do the same thing, Some a lot of the same goals in that respect. But man, some of these—we'll uh, share more with Carl next time. We're going to get him back on very soon. Um, tomorrow, you'll hear about the faith of Vice President Mike Pence from uh, author Leslie Montgomery. Also, um, Thursday, Paula Payton, uh, pro-life speaker and activist, uh, just an amazing young woman who is conceived in rape, and she's the mother to just an incredible little baby boy who was also conceived in rape. Amazing pro-life story. We've got Paula Payton with us on Thursday, and you can go check her out on Facebook, follow her, and, um, and then Friday... You know about the kingdom of the cults. We just talked about the occult a little bit. Um, Jill Martin Rishi, daughter of the late Dr. Walter Martin. She'll be with us on Friday. And, uh, man, I we haven't talked to her in a couple months at least, so it's going to be great to catch up with her and talk about just what's happening in our country and, of course, in the, the, the church as far as um, um, discernment issues. So a, a loaded week the rest of this week, and I, I don't even want to get to some guests next week, but... Uh, Uh, two or three brand new first-time guests next week as well. Thank you so much for sharing this podcast on social media and for your support and really your prayers. God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.